There's a scripture that I think everybody in this room knows. We live in a world today where, where, where there's a lot of pressure on us to, as, uh, for, our, for our personal lives to be infected and inflicted. You know, we go online and we want likes and we, we go online and we need people to acknowledge us. And, and then there's all kinds of pressure for people to, you know, I was just in Sumter this morning, two weeks ago, a man had come out and his wife was with some other man or whatever. And he was so offended by that and so upset, which he should have been mad. But the guy took a gun, went in the house and shot three of his children and killed them in the house and then killed himself and left his wife alive to live with the fact that his three children were dead. Life had hit him hard. And we live in that kind of world. We live in a world where life's like that. It's, it's the ups and downs and personal problems and issues that the devil, the Bible says, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he'll devour. Last week, I went in and started working on the building over there in Sumter, and one of the members of the church over there came over and said, a little 13-year-old girl had killed herself in Sumter last week. The pressure of life had come. And all I could think was, is that we have an answer. We have an answer, and his name is Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. There was a song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Sing it. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Sing it again. Jesus. I tell you that's true. Above him, above him. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Say it with me. Jesus is the way. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. Tell them Jesus is the way. You know, I don't know how you came in this room. You may have been like that man today that needed help. In this scripture, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. I mean, it's a simple scripture. It's one that all of us should know. But it's one we really need to understand and really know. Not just in our head, but in our heart. It needs to become revelation to us that Jesus is the solution to our world. You know, interestingly enough, when we look at this scripture, we can see that it says it this way, that for God so loved the world. It didn't say God loved the church. It didn't say that God loved believers. It said God loved the world. That, that means that, that no matter where you've been and what you've gone through in life, What's facing you, what's staring you in the face, whatever challenges or troubles, whatever issues and concerns you have, Jesus came for the world. He came for all of us. He came for us in our worst state. When we were at our worst moment in life, listen, listen Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That means that he came to set us free 
to deliver us, to ransom us, to die for our sins. When Jesus died on the cross, I can't imagine what it was like, but I imagine, you know, they, they went into Gethsemane, and then, of course, he went into the trial, and then we move forward, and he's going through the torments that he went through, the, the, the rocks and the whippings. They whipped him so bad you couldn't recognize him, the Bible says. He was so devastated, crown of thorns. I mean, the beatings, the carrying of a cross up a hill, what it must have been like for the disciples to have been there on that day. I know we don't recognize it that way. We don't see it that way because for us, it's a past experience. And maybe we've watched Passion of the Christ, but we weren't there on the day when that all happened. And Jesus was there and, 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 and they went to him at the end and they took him that, that vinegar filled uh, cloth and poured the vinegar in his mouth. And the Bible says he leaned over and said the last words, it's finished. Those words, it is finished, have a, a, a multiple connotation to them. The first one is, is that, that there was a completed work, that God had completed the work. And I want you to know this, I want you to understand this, God completed the work for every sick person. Come on, for every sickness and disease, God completed the work. There's not enough shouting right there. That you don't have to keep sickness. I didn't say sickness wouldn't come. We live in a world where sickness comes, where DNA is real, and we have situations and challenges. But I live with a Jesus who's the healer of all my disease. He sent his word and he healed us. I live with healing. You know, I shout every day, I don't just take this privilege of Jesus as if it was something that was just a past experience and all I get out of it is eternity. No, God wants to bless me right now, right here, right in this pleasant, present world. He wants to take care of my body right here, right now, right here in this present world. He wants me to live sickness free. Look at your name and say, God wants you healed. He finished the course. He completed the work related to sickness. He completed the work related to personal hurt. He completed the work related to, to us going through grief. I've been through the loss of two parents. I know what it's like to, to be at the bedside of my father. And it's the last minutes of his life. And the, the, you know he's gone into cardiac arrest. And all the, the doctors, nurses, and all those people jump in the room. And they start beating on his chest. And they're jumping up and down. A decision has to be made. We're at that moment. And right then, the peace of God came on me that I can't put into words. I can't explain. But I looked up at the crowd. And I said, that's enough. Don't do any more. He's going to heaven. How many know you got the peace of God that passes? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're missing out on something great. Jesus came to, to touch you. He came to touch a world that was hurting. He came to touch a world that was sick. He came to touch a world that was depressed. He came to make sure, listen, I don't know what happened with that 13-year-old girl. I don't know where you're at. There might be people in this room and thought, I just don't know if I can go. Another day. We sit in church and we don't even think about this. But I want to encourage you and I pray that the presence of God comes down in this room and lands on you right there in those seats and that you can know the God that loved the world so much. 
Why did he go to the cross? Because he loved the world. Why did he take the, the, be, the beating and the abuse? Because he loved the world. Why did he take the, the, the crown on his head? Because he loved the world. Sometimes we, we have let go or forgotten about the value of Jesus in our life. And we take it as just passerby. We take it like it's case of raw, that it doesn't mean anything. But I wake up every day personally, and I go to bed every night thanking him. I don't want to go to hell, and he gave me eternal life. He came for the world so we don't have to go to hell. He came for the world so we don't have to be depressed. We don't have to kill ourselves. We can realize that there's a life that God wants to give us life. In this room this morning, God wants to give life. You're watching online. God wants you to have life. Resurrection Sunday is about Jesus validated everything he told us. He proved it out when he came back from the grave and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He took them for a world that needed him. That is you and me. That is the entire world. And everyone that would believe on him could be saved. Somebody ought to shout out, Amen. He took it for us. He came for us. We should sometimes sit back and think about the cost that he paid for us. The cost to overcome confusion. God didn't come to bring us into confusion. He doesn't bring us in. The devil's the one who brings us into confusion. He didn't come to make life dysfunctional. He came to bring us a functional life. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm not dysfunctional in Jesus. See, they think you are, but not in Jesus. He came for the sinner. See, when you were born, every single one of us, when we were born, we were born sinners. We didn't have to commit any sin to be a sinner. We were born that way. And when people sin and they live in sin, they're only doing what sinners do. I said, why are they doing that? Because they're sinners. Because that's what sinners do. And he came for us in that while we were yet in sin, he died for us. Jesus came for us in the most rejected, dejected of things. And it doesn't mean that, 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 that he didn't come, he just came for the church. He came for all of us. He came for your family, your moms and your dads, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles. He came for your friends and relationships, the people around you. He came for you to exhibit him to the world so they could see the Jesus that loves. So they could see a pastor who could stop on the side of the road when church members kept on driving by. We're supposed to love the world because Jesus loved the world. You know, one of the reasons we go to church is because it is the place where we find the gift. It's a place where we find evidence of the presence of the Lord. It should be a place where we help or get help. It should be a place where we receive anointing because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Somebody says, well, why do you sing? I'm singing because I want to build an atmosphere for the presence of the Lord because I know where he is, people change. It isn't a great sermon. I could preach the greatest sermon and tell you all the chicken soup for the soul, but it wouldn't change your life. Only Jesus can change a life. I mean, it's kind of funny, but at the same time, you know, I have to make sure sometimes my wife and I, we tell each other we're not the Holy Ghost. Because have you ever had your husband try to be the Holy Ghost in your life? Come on, be honest. Raise your hands, women. Don't do that. You're going to get in trouble. No, we have all done it where we want to be the Holy Ghost. 
You know something, you might get a change for a moment, but only Jesus can get a change for a lifetime. If our house is going to change, it's got to be because of Jesus. It's got to be because we fill our house with a resurrected Savior. We fill our house with the King of Kings. We fill our children with the Lord of Lords. We fill our schools with Jesus. I said this the other night, I'm going to say it again. One of the things you have to understand is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld Him. He came. God, the Word, came and dwelt on this earth. You and I have His Word. It's the Word that we have. And as long as we have that Word and we can speak and we can talk and we can confess, the devil can't take over. Some of the problems we have is we don't understand the Jesus we have. We don't understand walking in the rooms and saying, in Jesus' name. Somebody ought to say amen. Jesus will change it. Jesus will fix it. The words of my mouth are the words of Jesus. And Jesus' words keep things from happening. Jesus' words turn things around. Let me speak a word over you. I call you blessed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. God's word said you're blessed. God's word said you're anointed. God's word said you're healed. God's word said you're delivered. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not crazy. I got Christ's mind. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. See, when I speak his word and I begin to speak out the word of God, I'm transitioning what was into what God is and I can change what is into what God wants. Come on, somebody. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of love. Somebody in here needs to say this. Straighten yourself up. God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I'm full of love. I've got the power of God, and i got a straight mind. Controlled. That's the Word of God. That's what Jesus did. And He's not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. When you speak the living Jesus does the work that only a living Jesus could do. He validates the authority. If you walked out in the street and you had a gun and a, a badge and a uniform... And you ask the traffic to stop and lift it up your gun. Thank God you'd never use it, but you could. I would stop. And I would stop because the authority is there. He has the right to use the gun. He has the right to stop the traffic. He has the right. That's Jesus. Jesus has the right. To transform your reality. He has the right to transform your future. He has the right to ensure you can have eternal life. Jesus is alive. We serve a risen Savior. When we think about Jesus, what the cross did and what he did, first of all, we know that he was completing the work. But the problem was man's sin. Because of what Adam did in the garden by sinning, we took on a sinful nature. We were born with that sinful nature. And one other thought here, and I'm not a theologian, I'm not trying to be today. But I know the, the work is finished. It is finished means that whatever problems or needs that I have, I have a Jesus who can fix it. Come on somebody, I've got a Jesus who can take care of it. 
I got a Jesus that's bigger than every problem. I got a Jesus bigger than every situation. I've got a Jesus that's large enough. People get mad at when I, when I talk about being rich, you know, because a lot of preachers have abused rich. But I want you to know something. Here's what I, I classify rich as. You ready? More than enough. God wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have more than enough socially, more than enough physically, more than enough mentally, more than enough emotionally. I'm not just talking about the dollars in your pocket because I've seen a lot of people with a lot of dollars who were sad. But I've seen folks who didn't have anything who were glad. No, I'm not just talking about dollars. Although I know God wants us to have those, I want you to know something. God wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have more than enough peace, more than enough joy, more than enough happiness, more than enough. Come on. He wants you to have it. Somebody ought to say, God wants me blessed. That's why Jesus came. To destroy the works of the devil. The second one was he paid the price. You know, they said that when they, when they crucified Christ that they had, to, they had a stamped envelope or letter on the top of the cross. And on it was like a receipt. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not trying to tell you I'm a theologian. But I think it's a pretty good statement to say that when Jesus got done, he paid every bit of the cost that you needed to pay for your salvation. And you don't have to pay it. Somebody say, I'm, I have it for free. For free. You have salvation for free. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. But Jesus paid the price necessary so we could have it. Thank God for Jesus. Why do we shout on this day? Why are we praising God before we leave? Because he solved the problem and saved our life. Somebody ought to say amen. First Thessalonians says it this way. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we be with him forever. I want you to know something. Jesus is alive. Jesus is coming again. His return is soon approaching. And now more than ever we need him. Come on somebody, now more than ever you need him. Through Jesus, I'm accepted. Through Jesus, I'm received. Through Jesus, I'm restored. The church is not for perfect people. The church is to help the imperfect. Somebody say amen. Amen. God did all he did. The death, burial, resurrection, ascension, die, live. All for the brokenness of the world. Because of this. Romans 5.8 says, But God commanded his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. We celebrate today because a Savior Jesus on our worst day loved us more than we could love ourselves. We need to understand and realize if you're in this room, how important today is to ratify and say thank you Jesus for the resurrected Savior. Somebody say thank Jesus for the resurrected Savior. Jesus came to set us free, not put us in bondage. Jesus came to provide for us, not to destroy us. Jesus came to restore us, not to set us in judgment. And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, but you'd come to everlasting life. Would you just lift your hands?